This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined in Fokotani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora. How are you? Happy birthday. We've done 100 shows, Mawera. I know, it's amazing, eh? And, um, and I am reminded of back when we first had the conversation about let's do 100 and we we're like, oh, that's a lot of work for Sam. <laughs> but here we are. And we thought that there was no way that was going to happen. Yeah. But every time we've gone and, down uh, through I, the lockdowns, we've seen a case of, well, it seems to be working. Let's carry on. So now we're going hey, back up the lockdowns. Let's just do 200. <laughs> so we aim for 200 now. And, uh, Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, let's not. <laughs> it does seem a little strange celebrating when the country is not in a mood for celebration, although maybe it should be. Well, I we think so. And um, if you if you look at how things are, yes, we've got some we've got some cases, but the cool thing is that all of them are related to other cases, and everything seems to be in hand. It does indeed. And we've done it before. We eliminated when it yes. was much worse than this. Yep, we did. And um, and we haven't all had to go into lockdown. And fingers crossed we don't all have to. And, uh, yeah, and I reckon um, and my little dude was just saying to me today, Mum, I hope everyone just keeps remembering to be kind. And if you try a little kindness, maybe 
Who are we talking with today? Today we have got Robert Nelson, who um, is one of our, um, he's a, a fellow student of mine on the Otago Polytech Doctorate of Professional Practice Program. That's how I first met him. Um, he also teaches and, um, and does some contract work for the Open Polytech in Management and Leadership. And he's a hell of a nice bloke. And he's been a, a big fan of the show. And so it just seemed natural that we would include him in our 100th celebration. So welcome, Rob. Thank you very much for having me on the show. It's a Some pleasure. people dream of going on Alan or Oprah, but that's nothing <laughs> compared to blowing bubbles. Yay. So we Rob, don't give away cars. <laughs> but we're pleasant people. <laughs> Bother. <laughs> that is true. So, Rob, how has your lockdown been? Now we have to talk, we have to say the, the first lockdown. Yeah, the first lockdown scared the living bejeepers out of me right at the beginning because it was something completely outside my experience. But once we got a couple of days into it, I figured out for me, because I work from home and study from home, actually nothing was really changing. The biggest adjustment was when my wife started to work from home because when she set up her workspace, it ended up on the kitchen table. This is both the refrigerator and the pantry. So I could no longer go whenever I felt like it because she was monitoring me. <laughs> and no, I haven't lost any weight because of it. It is tempting when you're but working at that, home. It was pretty much business as normal. It is tempting when you're working at home. The kitchen is quite close. Yeah, it is only two rooms away from where I'm sitting at the moment. I had a strict rule when the pool was closed that every time I put the kettle on, I had to go and do 100 strokes on each arm on the, the swimming machine that I made. So so that was, even though I also found myself standing beside the pantry quite often, I was paying for it. <laughs> yeah, I think I paid for it when I went back to the gym and the pool after the lockdown. Did you get out? That did was you manage... really the thing that I missed the most. Did you manage to get some exercise Didn't during the lockdown? Very much. Um, nowhere near as much as I should have, I must admit, but I suspect, like a lot of people. And that was the one thing that I really missed. You know, for years I'd sworn I will never go to the gym because you never see anybody there who is smiling. Well, I go to a gym where just about everybody smiles because they're mostly people of my age group, so we're not going hard out. And I really missed that, not being able to say, oh, I, I feel in the gym mood now, I'll be there in 10 minutes kind of thing. It was strange. So, the, yeah, I did pay for that after the lockdown. It was strange the bits of community that we missed. <coughs> did you find yourself being surprised by what you missed and what you didn't miss? Um... Not really. I, there was one thing that I ended up doing, which I don't do quite so much of when we're not in lockdown, that's going to the supermarket. So I used to go once a week, and I learned very quickly 
you go first thing in the morning because if you leave it more than about half an hour after opening time, the queue is out the car park and halfway down the street. So have so you got your... I found I actually enjoyed it. Have you got your house back now? Um, I thought I did, but she's working from home again for the next two weeks now that we're back under level two because... What they're doing is they're putting them all on a rotor, so every day there'll be a couple of them will be physically in the office and everybody else will be working from home, so that way they can maintain the distancing. So four days out of five at least I get the house back. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Cat Stevens with Matthew and Son. Why this one? Because I've worked in so many workplaces over the years that just match what he's talking about there in terms of the work just keeps going on and on and wherever you go, it follows you 24-7 or it feels like it. Probably more so now we're working at home because the, the <laughs> line between work and not work has become a bit more blurred. Well, in some cases it's disappeared. You've listened to a lot of our shows. Are you listening while you're working? What's the deal? 
Yeah, usually I save them up. So I've got about three or four in a line and that'll be you know, a good afternoon or a good evening listening to all of those. So sometimes I must admit I stop doing any work and just straight out listen. Without, yeah, yeah let's, let's go for naming names. Who have you enjoyed the most? I think probably the ones who are directly involved in education because a lot of what they're talking about in terms of people doing things collaboratively speak to me. But uh, also, was it Alistair, I think, from the Community Trust, what he was talking about with um, community investment and how it's not just about dollars and making an immediate financial return. I think that's something that, yeah, we're probably starting to think a little bit more about post-lockdown. I think one of the things that I've learned from doing this is that pretty much everybody, even the you know the high-powered leaders, the, the politicians, the, 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 the business people, they're still locked down at home. And it's been a bit of an equaliser mm. in that regard. Yeah, it probably has for a lot of them. Where are you, Rob? In Nainai, in Lower Hutt. Have you seen there any community initiatives? There's been quite a few things showing up on social media um, in terms of people just doing things within their own neighbourhood, so not necessarily within the suburb, but even within their own streets and sort of getting to know the people who live right next door, who've lived right next door for years and you know the face, but you've never actually had a conversation with them. I think that's been really quite good. Um, a lot of people say, well, I'm going down to the shop now, so... You know, tell me what you need and I might as well get it while I'm there rather than too many people going out. Uh, there's also been some really good stuff happening in terms of people who are growing things in their own gardens and distributing the surplus within the community. Yes, everybody rushed out and planted things, including Mawera, who waited six months and planted them this week. <laughs> Better late than never. Not... <laughs> yeah, Round exactly. two, you see. <laughs> yeah. We planted 170 seeds today of every kind of vegetable um, with the thought that we will give away seedlings and give away produce. So that's that's Jack's grand plan in the world. Yeah, so watch out. We've got zucchini coming for everybody. Lots of it. <laughs> well, that's a really good plan for Jack to have. The legacy of things like the, the the wartime effort and the wartime messaging, the dig for victory. We haven't had that messaging for, for this one, but there has been very strong messaging from the government. What do you think will it'll be remembered for? Probably for the message of be kind, which, you know, first time around, I think just about everybody bought into that because the whole thing was such a novelty situation. Seems like there's some people starting to push back against it a little bit the second time round. But I think the majority of us are still buying into that because we've only got to look 
outside our own borders and see that you know, other countries where they haven't taken that kind of approach have had much worse problems. And, you know, we do have much more freedom than just about anywhere else. I was but looking at... Hopefully, uh... in time, we will appreciate the amount of freedom that we've had pretty much all the way through once we got out of level three. I was looking at a meme this morning out of the, the States. It wasn't really a meme. It was actually a graphic, a proper statistical graphic. Someone's done an analysis of asking epidemiologists a list of about 20 different activities and when do you think that those will, will happen again in the States. Um, and it's this summer, by the end of 2020, sometime next year and perhaps never um and there was nothing pretty much that they thought that they were going to be doing this summer and it was things like being able to go for a walk in the park with friends um and they had like next year was things like being able to go to a sports game with other people um so yeah and and those are things that we've been able to do for three months yeah, we take for granted, and I suspect there are probably still some of us who don't realise just how lucky we are. No, I'm not playing it again. I'm not playing it again. Yeah. But we can all imagine. <laughs> we can imagine the song that could I be played at that here. moment. Now <laughs> yeah, for a bit of culture. I was speaking to a mate of mine just the other day. A guy called Bruce Bayless, actually, who uh, lives up our way. He's been living in Europe for the year, more or less. I says, how is Europe, Bruce? He says, Fred, it's a mess. We don't know how lucky we are, mate. We don't know how lucky we are. I was down the ploughing checkbook, oh, night before last. This guy down there on the floor with his brain at half-mast. I said, you're looking really bad, mate. Your eyes look like strings. He says, get me an eight, will you, please? I can't see a thing. We don't know how lucky we are, mate. We don't know how lucky we are. Me stock agent's got a beach place where he spends most of his days. His wife bit the dust down there last year, got eaten by a couple of crays. And his two littlest daughters got killed by a whale. I said, are you going down there this year, mate? He says, Fred, right on the nail. We don't know how fortunate we are to have that place. We don't know how propitious are the circumstances, Frederick. So when things are looking really bad, you're thinking of giving it away. Remember, New Zealand's a cracker, and I reckon, come what may, if things get appallingly bad, and we all get atrociously poor, if we stand in the queue with our hats on, we can borrow a few million more. We don't know how lucky we are, mates. We don't know how lucky we are. We don't know how lucky we are, mates. We don't know how lucky we are. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arohanui, kia koutou, ko tahua hau. I hope you're all having the best day. Beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. I really hope that whatever is happening around you, and wherever you are, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, 
very nourishing, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. So I know that for all of us, we are back in the midst of multiple transitions and various changes and restrictions to our way of being. But I really hope that amid all of this change, we are able to find ways to care for ourselves and each other and remind ourselves and each other of how capable we are adapting and how we have experienced this situation before and survived and thrived under different conditions throughout our lives so I hope that if you are finding that many aspects of your life are having to change knowing that it won't be forever and knowing that you can get through So I know for me, I am still in recovery mode from my mystery fever healing adventure at Aughty Porty Stinead in public hospital, which was very exciting. And I was very well looked after, so I've just been enjoying time at home. But I am shifting towards doing more activities Apart from just lying in bed and listening to the amazing Braiding Sweetgrass audiobook and knitting socks, which has been really amazing. But today, I actually got out of bed, Kalu Kalei, and set up a home workout zone to restart my bar base journey with Bar Base Anywhere, doing our at home workouts for a 28 day online bar challenge which is very exciting and I was woken up quite early in the morning by my beautiful neighbour knocking on the door because County's Fair Rossikoff, the beautiful Hey Hey, the most adventurous of all the hens had found her way next door and of course whilst our garden is quite unrestrained and expressive the next door neighbours were not fully emotionally prepared for having Countess Verosikov the hen running around their garden and leaving beautiful poo resins all over the poo lace. And they have a beautiful dog called Sam who really wanted to go outside and make himself known to Countess Verosikov, maybe in an overtly affectionate or physical way and may have wanted to eat Countess Vera Rosikoff, heaven forbid. And so Harvey and I had to try to catch Countess Vera Rosikoff and return her to our home. And all of this meant that the beautiful Hei Hei no longer could move in unrestrained freedom throughout the garden as they have been enjoying. And we had to erect a whole new Hey Hey HQ, which I have been wanting to do for a long time. But it was a wonderful creative experience. And we managed to create a beautiful mega perch with a spiraling staircase. A new barbay studio with a feasting platter and beautiful rhododendron branch sculpture on top. We managed to move their beautiful whanau where they like to lay their eggs and put out their food. 
and I even found some power shelves to put their corn in. So the whole thing was heavily adorned and very beautiful. And of course this got me thinking about the situation that we find ourselves in now. Whilst we are being forced to restrict our movement and we find ourselves again having to change our behaviour and that unrestrained freedom that we were enjoying is somewhat more restrained. However, it is for our safety, it is for our protection and not only for our safety and our protection but for the safety and protection of the whole of beautiful Aotearoa New Zealand, the dream team of 5 million and indeed the rest of the world that we are helping by co-evolving and sharing what we know and what we're continuing to find out. So I want to thank you all for all the great work that you're doing under these very difficult circumstances. I want to thank all the essential workers and I want to thank everyone who surrounds me and supports me, including all of you, having me share my time with you every day. And I look forward to speaking to you again tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakiti. We've had contributions each day from Tahu McKenzie. Um, she's made it up to a, a hundred of them, despite a spell in hospital. Um, and Liesl made it to, I think it was 70, and Andy made it to about 40 of these shows. You got any, had any thoughts or inspirations from them? Please say thank you to Andy. My photography is now better as a result <laughs> of listening to some of the tips that he was giving out. Liesl, I've absolutely loved because... It's just ordinary life. And she's been reflecting on things that before lockdown were for granted, but now I think we appreciate just so much more. And Tahu, I just absolutely love, and it was through listening to her that I actually went and visited our own eco-sanctuary here in Wellington for the very first time and absolutely loved it. All of those people, Tahu in particular, uh, positive, and we've taken a positive spin on the the people we've been talking to and the conversations we've been having. We've been trying really hard to make sure that it's positive, although I just said spin, that was a mistake. I meant to say it's a positive perspective, <laughs> but without being deluded. Do, ha, have you At noticed you that? you didn't say pivot. <laughs> yeah, I think I have noticed that, and I'd be surprised if others hadn't. Um, this is one of those times where it would be incredibly easy to not take a positive view of things. So it, I've certainly found it really good to know that you know, every day or so I can just tune in for an hour and there's my dose of positivity if I'm not getting it from anywhere else. Do you think it's important that we maintain that positive perspective? I mean, we could, we could let this crash in on us. I think we absolutely need to grab it with both hands and not let it go because it's enabled us to do things that once upon a time we probably would have believed if anyone had said to us, if this happens, you'll be able to get through it. We would have said, no way we'll be able to get through it. So I think it's turned a lot of our thinking around. And if there's one thing that we've got to keep hold of after this is all over or at least under control, it's that. It's the positivity. It's the, we can do it. Just because something hasn't been done before doesn't mean it can't be done. It just means we haven't done it before. We haven't found the answer yet.
Sam's asked um, many of our politicians that we've interviewed um, a, a question based on that, like, as, what's this going to do to impact on our expectations that politicians will be able to achieve the sort of social change that they promised because we've just seen them do it. That's been quite fascinating listening to them. And I think it will be an absolutely fascinating election contest because of that, because we now know in the public that there is so much more that can be done and that if we have the will, we will find a way, we will make a way. So for anybody who stands up and says, no, no, that can't be done, they don't have a big future in front of them. Yeah, I agree, actually. We had no idea that it couldn't be done And we needed to find a like-minded someone Who had no idea that it couldn't be done No idea Send the darkness back to Europe Waking up in the warm Pacific sun interesting one of the politicians we talked to actually raised that question before I did and said that it's actually given the politicians quite some leverage with the civil servants now that they're able to tell the civil servants no no we can do this we are going to do this <laughs> yeah find a way imagine that the constraints you thought were there don't exist anymore now what would you do what do you think we can learn from this for those intergenerational questions, climate change and social justice in a, in a bigger frame? Again, I think it's all the things that we thought couldn't be done. None of them is impossible. Sure, some of them may take longer to achieve, but there's now nothing that I think we could genuinely say is completely off the table. It's certainly a matter of you know, we've seen in various countries around the world, sort of comparing New Zealand to others, just how much can be done when politicians get buy-in and also what can't happen when they don't get buy-in. So there's perhaps more expectation now that the politicians will be responsive to the people who put them there rather than expecting things will be the other way around. Is there anything that surprised you in a, in a positive sense? I think the biggest thing that surprised me was how willing people were to sit at home and literally not go anywhere. You know, we're all time complaining we're too busy, we don't have enough time to sit back and do nothing. But when it was mandated, we suddenly found, actually, this is pretty easy. And I think for me, the one thing I noticed out of that was how quiet everything was. 
because we're one street away from one of the main roads in the suburb. And suddenly, especially in level four and level three, we could hear the birds in the native bush two streets away, as clear as if they were sitting in our garden. And just with the noise of all the traffic coming back, it's no longer as peaceful as it was. I think lots of people noticed how good it was at that not being busy and told ourselves that maybe we should carry on like this. This isn't so bad after all. But then we managed to yeah, rush well, back to rushing around. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things that I discovered was I really don't like shopping centres at all. And it wouldn't bother me if I never saw the inside of another one ever again. We are the champions. Because we can all sing along to that. Time after time, I've done my sentence, but committed no crime. And bad mistakes, I've made a few. I've had my shelf and kicked in my bed, but I've come through. seems to have done pretty well even despite the the recent setback have we just been really lucky 
or are we in fact the champions at this stuff i think there is an element of luck to it but i certainly wouldn't say that means we are not the champions because there are a lot of things that we've done right especially given we really didn't have a playbook for this we've had to write that playbook as we've gone and i so think back to the business heritage culture and sustainability course that i used to run and one of the things i always used to talk about was the spanish flu at the end of world war one and students saying you know eight and a half thousand odd new zealanders died in a space of three months something like that could never happen today well yes it has happened today but i guess we've learned some of the lessons from that because we haven't lost eight and a half thousand people and you know, people have been much more willing to go along with what needs to happen to make sure that we get back to level zero as quickly as possible. So I have spent the weekend making masks. I know the people in Radioland can't see them, but you can. So, so you can describe. I've got four of them here. We've made 12 over the weekend. So I'll, I'll start with this one. So this one, this one is the um, Hungry Caterpillar. Um, this one is an old T-shirt on the outside, but T-shirt fabric's not is, isn't the sort of fabric you're supposed to use. So it's actually just a covering of T-shirt fabric with three other layers in between. So, so this one is a turtle. That's um, awesome. A T-shirt I got sent oh, in the nineties cool. from the Bermuda, yeah. B- from that. the Bermuda Aquarium. So, um, yeah, Leslie's got one that's the uh, the same as that one. And then these ones to wind up my kids. <laughs> so this oh, one is a, awesome it's a sort of a space frog. And I managed to find a pattern that, that you don't have to cut the frog up, so it just goes right across at the, the front of it. And then this, this last one. Oh, I love this. I love that. There's a, um, a big sort of alien across the south one of the things that that my mum posted on facebook the other day was that because she was stuck in auckland when the lockdown three came on and so had to 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 come home quickly um and so that was the first experience of of wearing masks um and noticed that you miss out on the interaction of the lower half of the the face you miss out on the smiles so the all those visual cues are gone yeah so that's why i made made a point of having smiley faces even though they kind of aliens um, on my masks. For me, it will be um, very strange wearing a mask because my mokokowai is so much a part of my identity. As soon as I put a mask on, my identity's gone. And so it's going to be odd. So I almost need to print it to fabric so I can have a mokokowai on my mask instead. I think you could. I think you could print it. Yeah. I think there's a, I think there's I a think thing for you to do. It goes over the top of the head, but you see everything. Yeah, because yeah, it's just a, the idea of being in, being out without without it being 
there is just so weird to me. I'd rather stay home. Oh, I think that could be a thing. Because <laughs> it's just you. It have you got it? Yeah. Have you got it printed out? Have you got the design? Mm-mm. No. Well, fortunately, have to take a photo and fortunately, put on fortunately, we know where it is. It's on your face. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I might have to take one of my cheesy smiles from our uh, from our pictures that we have and um, and print one to fabric and make my mask from that. <laughs> Just because that would you be can. Awesome. That would be awesome. Okay, tomorrow we'll have we'll do these we'll do our show tomorrow wearing masks. Maybe not tomorrow because that would have to be pretty okay. quick to get it organised. But we could wear our best masks. We'll have to warn the guest. We'll have to warn our guest first. <laughs> That's the challenge for the upcoming guest is they have to provide their own mask as well. Yeah, you haven't got you haven't bring didn't bring yours, Rob. I didn't know that we were doing this. <laughs> It's actually a, you, well, this, this, plan this, better for next time. There is a different design that takes a that takes a beard. Yeah, somebody's Good thought it through. Yeah. Sam, what did you put on your middle layer? Uh, the middle layer on most of them is interfacing, and on some of them it's a um, an old um, a woolen thermal that had got holes in it that we that we chopped up. <clears throat> um, it, the wool is supposed to be good, but the knit fabric. Is a is is not what you need. So those ones have got an extra layer um, as well. So cool. there's lots and lots of designs out. But in terms of the the fabric selections, the World Health Organization's got a really good um, advice on on what to do for them. I um I've got some um some quilting uh, material. So that you know the the nice foamy spongy stuff that goes in the quilt. Um, yeah. I've mm-hmm. got some of that to sew between my layers. So I've got everything I need. I just need time. Yeah, well, you've so got lots of it. Yeah, I wasn't if I lived we, in Auckland. <laughs> we could organise that for you in a bad way. <laughs> no, no, no. We Rob, have what, listeners in the Middle East. They probably so won't be wearing wool. They won't, but uh, hello to our Middle East uh, listeners and welcome. And the ones in Scotland, and the ones in the uh, the rest of the UK. Welcome, we, everybody. We regularly get um, letters from or emails from people in the states. So yes, the, there are people out there. It's not just going locally. Rob, one of the, the questions that we ask everybody, so you know it's coming, is the of all the things you've seen um, over the last few months, all the changes, the societal changes. What what do you think will stick, and what do you hope will stick? I hope it's that whole be kind message and just chilling out a little bit, not taking life at 300 miles an hour because we can. Maureen McGovern, The Morning After. There's got to be a morning after If we can hold on through the night to find the sunshine Let's keep on looking for the light Oh, can't you see the morning after It's waiting right outside the storm 
Why don't we cross the bridge together And find the place that's safe and warm It's not too late I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? I think it's a success which actually stretches back about 20-odd years, and that's all of the students that I've worked with, the ones who've come to me particularly with a list of things that they don't think they're very good at or they don't think they can do, and by the time we're done, they've got a much bigger list, but it's no longer the list of things they can't do. It's a list of things they've been busy doing. They were so busy achieving, they didn't notice they'd already knocked off the list of, I can't do that. And if I was to pick something personal, it would be a toss-up between achieving the master's and getting into the Doctorate of Professional Practice program, which is like, for me, it's the best possible place to be. And getting through the first year, getting through past the learning agreement. Absolutely. It's an adventure quite different to anything I've ever been through before. It sent me to some very interesting places personally. But looking back, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. And during lockdown, they've asked us to to stay at home. Our superpower has been to sit and watch the TV. But as you know, we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. What is the superpower that's got you into our team of people doing good work? That would have to be determination, that having started this particular journey, I'm going to smash my way through to the end of it no matter what. And by the way, in my office, the TV is sitting right over my left shoulder and I've not watched it once. I've seen, I think I've seen it in some conversations, act actively covered up. You, you, you will have, yeah. And do you stayed that way right through from the beginning of four. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? For a long time, I would have said no, but, the DPP journey in particular has made me think, 
yeah, actually I am because of the work that I'm doing around collaborative projects and collaborative assessment being a way to give students the skills that employers actually expect them to graduate with rather than just being able to write assignments. So, yeah, in terms of people being able to work together, absolutely I'm an activist for that. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Students. Because I'm privileged enough in my job, and I actually get paid for this as well, to be able to learn from every single one of them in every interaction I have with them. So I think my wife's involved in education as well, and one of the things she's always said to me, if you come home at the end of the day and tell me you didn't learn anything from the students today, you're in trouble because it means the learning was all one-way traffic. And it's not, not good learning. Good learning is two-way traffic. So I always make sure at the end of the day I've got at least one thing I've learned today. Do you have to get it wrong before you can get it right? It's interesting. I was actually reading a couple of articles on failure earlier on today. And I think looking at those from an academic sense and looking at my own life all the way through ever since I left secondary school, yeah, I think you do need to make some mistakes. Yes, I've done some things brilliantly well. I've got rewards for doing those. But looking back, I've probably learned more from the things that didn't go well because I've had to stop and analyse why. What would I do differently next time? Whereas with the things that have gone well right from the beginning, I've not had to stop and reflect on that. I just accept that. Oh, well. It happened. Good. I can do it again on command, I hope. Maybe that's Maybe a good mantra. Is slightly different next time. Maybe that's a good mantra for how we deal yeah. with this, this pandemic, is we just need to keep on learning. Yep. The day we stop is not a good day. What challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? The next two years of the Doctor of Professional Practice. So when, now I've got the process out of the way it's a matter of doing all the fun stuff and just i actually have on my screen as a screensaver phil kerr in his regalia as the honorary recipient of the first one and that's my visual reminder every day that's where i'm going and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners No matter how tough things are, don't give up. You're tougher. Thank you for that. Moira? Um, I think as we celebrate 100 days of 100 episodes of doing this, um, I'm feeling really appreciative and thankful to everybody who has allowed us to interview them and for sharing their wisdom and for their insight into the world around us and for their positivity, really, because that's just been the thing that, that's blown me away. We've spoken to people in some pretty crazy situations and, and yet their positivity is so strong and I, I'm really, I feel a lot of gratitude for that. So thank you very, very much to everybody. Thank you for being with us today too, Rob. Thank you for having me.
to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had a contribution from Tahu McKenzie. And as we celebrate our 100th show, we would like to thank the Otago Access Radio team, Leslie Jeff Domi, and especially Jeff Barkman, who has gotten us to air every day. And Tiger Polytechnic, especially Una McGurt, for her support of the show. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani, and in Nainai Lower Hut, Rob Nelson. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.